This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Hey, thanks a lot, hot, disembodied hot girl voice. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I'm Ernie. And I'm Robert. You keep changing how you're thanking the disembodied hot girl voice. You might get offended. Do you think so? She's a, she's a creature of habit is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know if you change up too much, but I digress very quickly here. Uh, we we actually have a guest yes. today. Uh, yes, a, a actual published author guest, actually, yes. which is always a good thing. Hey, he's done a lot and all, than I have. All I've done is thought about writing books. I'm in the process. I'm not there yet, but he, he, got, he got to it faster than I did. Uh, the author of Slime Girl – or Slime Girls – well, I see it two ways, Slime Girls and Slime Girl, but the book is actually Slime Girl. Is that right? We have yes. Josh who, who, with us. <laughs> who calls it Slime Girls? I did because I'm looking at your site, and it says – and also Slime Girls, so I guess there's more than one Slime Girl. No. That's just, <laughs> that's just something we talk about on the podcast. <laughs> see, I'm getting it wrong again. Or I do this every time. I always get it wrong in some fashion. It's very sad. Um, so, so, Josh, you guys do a lot of interviews now with with guests, and it looks like you kind of cross the board and do a lot of different things. What are some of the things that you do on your show or that you've done in your nerd world that you're really like, this is the thing that really gets me going? Sorry, man. My dog's not cooperating with me at the moment. Um, oh, that's okay. <laughs> is it the little dog? Is, is this the little dog? Uh, he's a corgi. Yeah. Okay. Because I was looking. I mean, not not to promote you too much here, but I was looking on your Amazon page, and it has your picture of you know here's the seller, right? Yeah. And it has a picture of you with your adorable. I mean, it's like a hand of dog. Uh, so I assumed it must have been your little corgi. <laughs> the the sad news is he is three times as large as he was in that picture. Oh. And wow. He's not a good guy. Oh no. <laughs> He's a, he's a troublemaker? Yeah, he's biting me right now. Oh, good lord. That's, the, thing, that's... the thing about corgis is they are used to being in charge because they're herding dogs. So whenever you're somewhere they don't want you to be, they nip at your heels to try to get you to go somewhere else. He wants me to be in the living room with him and our other dog. But you guys said I can't do that. You said I have to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're making sure he's aware that if he has to blame somebody, that it's not you that's at fault, that it's actually us. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, this has devolved very quickly into another one of our famous blame games, as usual. It usually ends up being our fault, unfortunately, for for most things. Um <laughs> But I, I did I did want to talk at least one thing nerdy for the dog chewed your hand off. Um I know that you're a fan of a lot of things, but you're not a fan of one thing that Ernie is a big fan of, and that is, of course, Star Wars. But I wanted to talk about what you were a fan of first before we got into what you weren't a fan of. Were you excited for the um, new Star Trek show that was coming out, or is that not your thing either? The Star Trek is absolutely my thing. Not, <laughs> not an episode of my podcast goes by where we don't talk about Riker. Uh, oh, okay. You're a Riker. The chair thing, right? Yes. <laughs> the man can't use a chair. That's that's like the thing. Okay, so Star Trek versus Star Wars, your Star Trek side. Marvel v versus DC, which side are you on? 
for or movies, DJ. obviously Marvel, but I, I've always been a DC guy. Okay. Nice. You've gotten to Ernie's territory now. He's a huge DC fan. Have you seen or have you heard about the Hush animated movie that came out? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't either. I mean, obviously, if you go by what they've typically done with their animated stuff, it's literally page for page. I mean, you go in there, you know exactly what you're going to get out of it. Right. Yeah. So that, no, it's definitely a good thing. So when you guys when you guys go into a show and you t- choose your topics for the week, what are your typical topics you go into? Is it is it usually you got Riker down, and then what happens next? What do you guys? What are your things that you're passionate about? We don't choose the topics. People send in questions, and typically we interview authors or voice actors. Since me and the other two, audiobooks is what what we do. Like for have any free time we're usually listening to audiobooks my my brother Corey does the podcast with me and he listen i mean he listens to probably a dozen audiobooks a week wow now i actually did that for a while because i have a commute to work i have about an hour drive to work every day so i was doing for a long time i was listening to audiobooks for audiobooks because there is a few different sides to this it's Either you're listening to it for the story or you just enjoy the person who's doing the audiobook itself, right? Because maybe it's not the author, maybe that's you said maybe it's an, an audio an audiobook reader, a narrator, I guess you call it. Is that the yeah. title for it? So is do you choose books by who's doing the narration or do you choose books by I'm I'm going to read this book because I enjoy it? It just depends. There are some narrators we all really like. It's actually one of our first guests was a guy named Steve Campbell, and he's just ended up being a really good friend to all of us. And he actually sends me codes whenever he puts out a new audiobook. So them being free helps me. Oh listen wow, to that's so really cool. Narrators we really like, and then authors we really like, and then a lot of times it's just the cover. You see, a neat <laughs> it draws you in. There you go. And that's kind of the fun thing because I got into – I started trying to find – speaking of Star Trek, I found um, the Voyager uh, – Voyager series of books. I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was an audio book, and it was actually read by Catherine Janeway. Mm-hmm. I mean the actress, obviously, not the character, but you know what I mean. Um, part of it as a character. Yeah, right? No, she does a lot of it as character, and she has an amazing voice. Like – I could just listen to her talk about anything. It wouldn't matter. And she just has one of these really great voices. You just kind of sit there and listen to, and it's just enjoyable. You know, and that makes, that makes or breaks a podcast uh, for audio, especially when you're listening to books or podcasts or whatever it is. It's that, that a, a tone of voice and inclination or whatever it might be that, that really equals out to that person's personality, if you will. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's really just got, I don't want to say they have to be a professional, but they have to at least be good at it. I listened to a couple books from from people, and it was clearly just the author sitting in his living room recording it. No audio mastering, no sound blocking. You hear the cars driving by and everything, and it's just impossible to get through. Yeah, and, that, and that's even in the case of it's – even if it's especially like a good book, but they're not doing it in like a studio or anything. You know, it's it could be the best book, and if they're doing it in their living room, it could just ruin the the sound quality. So you can't you can't read it or listen to it, if you will. Has the audiobooks really kind of turned you off physical books, or do you still read physical books as well? Uh, I haven't. Well, not <laughs> books, but ebooks. I still read. I can't remember the last time I read a physical book. 
it's hard because my my eyesight is pretty bad so i end up having to literally not, I, I can't read a physical book because my eyesight's so bad i have to read an ebook because it's lit up mm-hmm. and so all of my books now if I, i'm like okay i want to read this book let me see if there's an ebook for that and that's how i'll go about and find it through the library or whatever it is and get the book i want in ebook form if i can yeah there's pretty Which, much always an ebook yeah, no, it's 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 a crucial it's a crucial piece of of media. Unfortunately, that everything has to be, or fortunately, that has to be electronic, because if you have anything to promote book or you know anything that was written that's not an audiobook, you have to have it online in some form, so people can get into it and, and get it and read it quicker. Because that's where everybody is these days. I mean, how often do we go into bookstores anymore, really? Why, where do you even find a bookstore anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Barnes and Nobles, I don't think actually counts as a bookstore as much anymore. I mean, half the time the stuff they're selling is merchandise and not actually books. I mean, you'll see them. But there's always like three or four tables up front. It's actually like merchandise. And you're like, what the heck is this? Why is this even here? Well, they got to gotta do something to stay open. Like, yeah, and that's... Hey, why don't you buy a book with that Gundam figure you have there? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then that, and then they get the Starbucks thing too. You know, they're, they're Starbucks paying rent in every single Barnes and Nobles. It feels like now. Yeah, it used to be that the Barnes and Nobles had their actual, like, their own, like, little mini cafes, but now they're all Starbucks mini cafes. Well, that's the way to go. That way, you know, maybe someone will come in and get a nice big cup of coffee, and they'll be like, "Hey, well, I might as well pick up a copy of The Stand by Stephen King while I'm here." It is the thing, and hopefully they'll buy it and not just pick it up and start reading at the table, which I see a lot of people doing these days um, for, for books. So speaking of books, obviously you wrote one, and it just came out what, like a couple of months ago? Uh, last month. Last month. So give me the lowdown. How did you decide that it was time for you to write a book? Had this been something you've been working on for a long time, or was it something that was just kind of fairly new to you? No, we were joking about it on the podcast because we, we had authors on and none of them would write the books we wanted them to. So the three of us from the podcast, me and my brother, Corey, and our friend, Josh, we decided we were going to write this book. And then I started writing it and we had this Google Doc open and I realized that no one else was contributing. And before I knew it, I'd written the whole thing without them. So I just went from there. Wow. That's see, Ernie. That's that's what you have to do. You have to just sit down and just start writing, and I'll pretend to help, and then you just realize you're doing it yourself, and you finish your book in no time. <laughs> no, nice, nice. So, uh, so you said you said that you had authors on that uh, that they weren't writing the books that you wanted. Were there any authors that kind of like you know you kind of took from like any type of like uh, like styling or anything? I I had to of. I mean, obviously there are no original ideas, but when I started to do it, I realized I'm not a very good writer. So my style kind of just became very informal as opposed to just like a formal narrative. I went with first person that way. If it sounded like, you know, I said something stupid, it'd just be the character saying something stupid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. My, my whole thing is like, Everything that I've read, I you know, whenever I start writing, it's like it seems like I'm copying their stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to try to be original, so I end up starting all over again. So I've I've taken a little break from that little exercise of futility and 
and just kind of lost myself in like, you know, DC world for a while, you know, reading up some books. Have you uh, picked up any good uh, titles lately, uh, uh, DC wise? Are you into the, uh, what is it, uh, Deceased series? I'm not. The last thing I read, honestly, the only comic books I'm reading right now are the Boom Power Rangers. The last DC stuff I read was the metal stuff. Okay, okay. I remember that series, yeah. With all the Batmans. <laughs> all the Batmans. And you said you're reading, which one were you reading now? The Power Rangers? Yeah, by Boom Comics. Oh, okay. Where does that take Where does that take place in the series of the 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 Power Rangers? Because I I don't even know where they are anymore. It takes place in Mighty Morphin. It's essentially an alternate universe. Oh, okay. We're into it. I don't know if you you know anything about it, but essentially, for the first forty issues, their their main character was a bad guy named Lord Draken, who was Tommy, the Green Ranger from an alternate universe, who never turned good and then ended up taking the power of the white ranger as well so he's the white ranger and green ranger mixed together yeah because i remember that that episode or that series of episodes in the original mighty Morphin from when i was younger and that whole you know him being bad guy good guy which size he's going to be on and that whole thing and they try to hint at that a little bit in the new movie as well of him coming in but they never really followed through. So I guess the comic book kind of lived that story for people since it wasn't coming to the big screen or little screen or any screen where he actually became and stayed a bad guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. From I guess we don't know if they're making another Power Rangers movie or not. Just that one comment from uh, – uh, what's his name? I think his last name is Darcy, the guy that played the Red Ranger. He said they're making another Power Rangers movie, but he's not involved in it. Yeah, I mean, at this point, obviously, it's kind of weird. It's kind of living in a subculture now. It's not really mainstream as it once was, but it's still out there. Like the Mighty Morphin, and oh, there's a there's a role play game. The comics, obviously, you're taking you're reading now, and then those have been out for as you know, forty issues been out there for a while. And there's also mm-hmm. like a, a bunch of like the people who are in the show almost are like keeping it alive. They're doing stuff. Like I think one of them is running a. A, ga- a game of Power Rangers at their like at their house, and it's, they're doing a podcast of them playing the Power Rangers game or something like that. Yeah, they are. And then uh, Jason David Frank, the original Green Ranger, and uh, what's his name, Johnny Young Bosch, who was the second Black Ranger, are they have a Indiegogo or a GoFundMe or something right now, trying to raise money to make a movie called Legend of the White Dragon which essentially is a Power Rangers-type movie in a post-apocalyptic setting. But they're not going to get funded, so don't worry about that. I actually saw the trailer for that. That was that trailer that was wandering around for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, about three weeks ago. Yeah, and I've seen other ones before that, too, that came out that were post-apocalyptic where the Rangers were almost like on the run and people were hunting them and stuff. It keeps making the round on the internet. I was like... I'd like to see that kind of dark Power Rangers movie, but I don't think it ever. I don't think people want it, or there's not enough funding to have it happen, even if there are people who want it. Yeah, that's essentially the thing. the 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 first thing you saw was is a fan made thing called MMPR, and then when oh, who owns Power Rangers now? Ha- it's not- Maybe it's Hasbro. I don't know. Someone bought Power Rangers. And they put a stop to that MMPR. 
as soon as they announce the new movie. So there's not going to be any more of that. And then Legend of the White Dragon, they are trying to raise half a million dollars. Uh, and their first day, they raised about 100000 And then since then, they've raised about 78000 But it's been three weeks, so the chances of them making that are not very good. Unless one of you two is wealthy and wants to take care of that. Well, yeah, that, and it is. Yeah, that, and it is Hasbro. You were right about that. Yeah, it's Hasbro. Don't blow me off on you guys funding this project. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're down for it, and Hasbro keeps talking that they want to have like their own universe. Like you know, they want to kind of they want to kind of build out their character collection of toys and stuff, and kind of because aren't they doing uh, Play School's doing a movie now? Or is it Play School? No, Playmobil is doing a movie that kind of came out of left field. I was like, why? And now Hasbro has Power Rangers. They, I'm assuming they're going to want to do something with that. They they did it a year ago, and we really haven't seen really much of anything except the one movie. And so there's like all these different characters out there. They're just kind of sitting around, get almost almost to the point where they're gathering dust, but not quite there yet. Yeah, so I mean, I, I can't speak for their overall sales and action figures, but I know since Hasbro bought it, they've put out a lot more. Essentially, uh, I forget who was making the toys before, but they were sparingly putting out Power Rangers toys, and now Hasbro has really ramped it up. So I'd say that's where the money is in nostalgia. But I know they they were originally going to make a sequel to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, but then it was considered a flop because the movie only made like $80 million, which is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, the, the concept of a flop, which is really kind of a big thing now, is so ludicrous as what's considered a flop and what isn't. If you aren't in the billion dollar or close to the billion dollar range, you're not successful. It used to be that if you made a profit off of what you spent to make the movie, that counts as being successful, and thus you could make more movies. Mm-hmm. That would that would make the most sense. Well, Hasbro Hasbro, who owns them, also owns the Transformers. So you know they just launched Bumblebee, and they'll probably do that for a little while. Um, some other things that I heard of, like he was saying, the uh, Power Rangers. It just keeps going from development to like, you know, changing hands, so to speak. Like, are we going to do live action? Are we going to do, you know, CGI? What are we going to do here? Are we going to release it in the movie theaters? Are we going to do online? So it was, it was hinted at by Austin St. John, the original Red Ranger, that there is an animated Power Ranger series in the work, which would be pretty cool, but we'll have to see. And that would kind of, if they do it animated, then they probably would be able to do a lot more story with that in some respects than they could even with a live action. Because with a live action TV show, you had budgetary constraints, so you couldn't always do what you really wanted to do with a story because of, you know, CGI, special effects, and what it was at the time, and then, you know, budgets and paying people and all the rest of it, because it takes a lot of stunt work to do Power Rangers. You know, because at the end of the day, they're physical creatures, you know? What do you what do you know about the original Power Rangers series? Did you know that there was no stunt work in it? Real well, we mean well not by the actual actors. There were there were different people who did the scenes, like the fighting scenes. So all the fighting scenes were taken from a Japanese series from the eighties. Really? Yeah. No, I did not know that. Super Sentai. They just clipped it all in. All the fighting scenes came from that, and then all the scenes of the teenagers 
it was just them in costume. Wow. Nice, nice. Good way to uh, spend a buck, actually. Yeah, they, they saved that. I mean, that's why they did it, because essentially it cost them whatever it cost to pay the actors per episode. It saved them a lot of money. And then uh, it went that way for a long time until, I don't remember exactly what it was, but one of the, essentially, eventually they ran out of footage that they wanted to use, so they just filmed their own. And then in Japan, they did the reverse, where they took the American version and just took the fighting scenes from that and made a Power Rangers series out of that. Huh. That's No, I I always thought that there were, like, actual, like, some, I thought that at least there were some stunts done by someone on the set, but you're saying basically everything that was like stunt or fight related was not even not even American actors or whoever was in the show at the time. It was an, it was just cut footage from somewhere else. Yeah, and if you actually pull it up on Netflix right now, you can absolutely see the difference. Like the, I mean, it was all in SD, but like the old stuff is the the fight scenes are all like gritty VHS quality. And you just never notice it as a kid, but you notice it now looking back. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't think I've actually watched an episode of the older stuff. I mean, the, I mean, I went to see the movie, of course, but I haven't watched the older stuff. It's, it gets covered in that nostalgia, if you will, that it had to be them, I guess. You don't really look into it much more than that. Because um, we went we, – I was at a con a couple of months ago, and um, uh, Bulk was there, actually. Mm-hmm. And I ended up talking with him about some of the things that he'd done set, but I never even thought to ask if the stunts were real. You know, I asked him how, you know, the common stuff he asked when you're, you're hit with celebrity. We talked about the game. We talked about, the, you know, the show and what he's doing now and blah, blah, blah. But I never even thought to ask about the stunts. I never even thought to look it up. I always figured, yeah, okay, it's probably stunt actors, but it was actually like real stuff. Yeah. And that's that's crazy. And do you think that that, would Boom be involved in the animated, or do you think that like Hasbro would would manage that if they did I an animated think series? Hasbro would manage it all. Really? Okay. Because uh, the Boom sounds like it's doing some really great storyline. They are. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because it, it it would have to be good because the Kyle Higgins, the guy who writes it, literally quit writing Batman to write this. I mean, that's that's a big step down. Honestly, yeah. So especially, especially what we, what was the Batman's he was doing before he left? You know, he did the Court of Owls stuff. Oh wow. Okay, I didn't realize that was him. Okay. I yeah, because the Court of they kept hinting at doing something more, something bigger with the Court of Owls stuff. They hinted at it in like Gotham for a while too. It got so big and so popular, but they never actually like moved forward with doing it more than just kind of hinting in the background. I didn't have, I didn't have a chance to finish watching the last couple of, uh, the last season of Gotham, but they kept hinting that it was there somewhere in the background. Yeah. And the, and the alternate timeline and how that would, would, would have looked. I, I fell out of love with Gotham. I think in like season three, there was an episode where Jim, I, I, for, I forget exactly what was happening, but Jim was tied up and, with with the two girls he liked and one of them got shot and that was just like i i just kept thinking back to anything jim gordon actually accomplished and it was nothing so the entire series was just jim getting saved by everybody else and it started to make me not want to watch it anymore yeah i kind of felt that way too i mean i the last one the last part of that series i, I actually watched like watched watch was um was right before, like right after that, like before the the Joker came back on for the second time, I think it was. 
and I kind of felt this. I kind of felt similar. Where it's just like, okay, Jim Gordon is supposed to be like the hero here, and every time he's like, well, now he's not a cop anymore. Now he's you know on the dark side of the law, whatever the heck that means, and he's just a private detective. And it's like, I don't really get how long they can play this out with him being like that, and then he's back, and it's like. I just kind of fell out of it because the story wasn't – you can only do so much with a prequel to Batman. You know, At some point, the need for Batman is going to become too strong, and it just felt like they just dragged it out way too long. They did, but one of the things I actually loved about that was the way they were just like, okay, we're a prequel to Batman, but we're just going to do literally anything we want and forget Batman ever exists. You want to bring in all of Batman's villains in season one, we'll do that. Uh, whatever we want to do, we'll just do now. I like the way they made it their own story, but I just I don't think the story played out well enough to keep me keep my attention, which is which is tough because Jim Gordon, of course, was played by Ben McKenzie, Benjamin McKenzie, who starred in the OC, which was my favorite TV show ever. And me and my brother and my friend did an entire podcast about the television show, the OC. Which I did actually look up and saw, and I was like, oh, okay, that ended a while ago, but you guys were pretty pretty consistent. You did that for a long time. The OC ended in 18, right? Or is the, it... The actual television show? Yeah, when did, when did it actually end? 2007. 2007? Oh, good lord. Wow. I really thought it went on longer than that. I guess it didn't then. It <laughs> there only, you go. It four seasons. Wow. That's it? Yeah. It seemed to be it seemed to be so huge though that it was everywhere. So it kind of felt like it went on longer than it actually did. It did, but it, it was huge. But it was literally only huge for like one year, and then it went away. And that was the year between the end of season one and the end of season two. And then everybody <laughs> just fell off of everybody's radar. And it's so strange too because there was a lot of those types of shows that were out there around that time and some of them made it a little bit longer but none of them made it a lot longer and i felt that that show actually kind of had a larger it felt like anyways that it had a larger fan base than a lot of the other shows did that were a similar type of genre yeah like the teen drama Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was the thing it the the creator of it josh schwartz who also created gossip girl when he he was writing the oc he wanted to do a lot of things that the network essentially told him not to. So the network put him with this guy whose name I can't remember, but he had been uh, a veteran of writing television shows and they essentially told this older guy to keep him in line. And the older guy was like, nah, let's see what happens. So the OC was actually very good because he was allowed to do the things he wanted. He was allowed to take things further than a normal show would let him. Well, in TV, isn't like the the writer kind of like the king, anyways? Like the producers come and go, right? And directors come and go. It's really the writer, right? I, I don't know for sure. the The only thing I can tell you is we've had on on the podcast JVJ podcast. We've only we've had one television writer on there. His name was Larry Doyle. He wrote he wrote several episodes of The Simpsons, and he wrote the movies. He wrote the the movie I Love You, Beth Cooper, and he wrote uh, what was the other one? Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, God. And he said, essentially, the writer is nothing. Oh, man. Yeah. He said they, they get their script, they start going, they change it however they want, and the writer can't do anything about it because he's already been paid. Wow. 
Yeah, that that I can kind of see that being the thing, and then it's just a matter of going forth from there, and and what you see as as the final product, maybe nothing like what it originally was when you first had it come out. And I can definitely see that because I, I would assume writing movies, television shows is just like anything else. Whoever's paying for it is in charge. Yeah, and that can vary based That's on fair it. Enough. Yeah. Yeah, because you see a lot of times the different people's. I mean, like you know, it really it could be the the head of the company company that's really getting the the final say because they're the ones sponsoring and paying for everything, and they ha- have a heavy hand in it. And then mm-hmm. it could be the writer or the director, mostly probably the director and frontline staff, if you will, because they're physically there more. So it really is a matter of who's heavy handed enough to be involved. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see it that way. Which which kind of goes back to what what you kind of do, which is the writing thing. Because if you're writing in context of your novel, right, and then it gets optioned, or I think that's a term they use now for it to be a TV show or a movie or whatever it is, it's it's that whole thing that you have to be very careful that you make sure that whatever they do, that they have some – there's a clause or something that your content stays as true to what you made it to originally be as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, there's, there's this writer. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. His name's Stephen King. I've heard of him vaguely, yeah. I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. He has he has a an option for all of his books that for one dollar anyone can buy the film or television rights, but in that contract they have to screen it to him first after it's made, and he could then say no, you can't do that. So in the end, Stephen King pretty much has complete control over everything he has. That's a really good way of doing it. Yeah. Well, that whole thing with uh, Castle Rock, which was like the King verse, um, that was like everything Stephen King. Um, I think I think a couple people tried to write on that as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure of the whole history behind it. I know Stephen King decided to do his dollar thing after after Pet Cemetery two. <laughs> yeah, and they're coming out with another one, I think, too, aren't they? Another Pet Cemetery. Yeah. I think they're rebooting it again. They already did. Oh, how was did it? How was it? <laughs> Subpar, in my opinion. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you guys this. The the novel Pet Cemetery was the absolute scariest thing I ever read. Like I still have nightmares from that book. It it broke something in my soul to read that. And then the movie kind of healed that by being not as good. <laughs> so it was less scary after. But which one? The first one uh back from the eighties or the newer one? The first neither one was very good. The newer one, they changed everything completely. Like in the in the book, he the main character he has a son and a daughter, and in the original movie and in the book, his son dies, and in the new movie, his daughter dies, which is actually kind of a good twist because his, his son is an infant and his daughter's a little bit older, so she's she's like six or seven or something, and it was kind of a good twist that she could be brought back to life and actually talk after. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because in the original one, you didn't. The kid never really said anything. He just went after on murderous rampage. Yeah, I I believe he swore at an old man is the only thing he did. <laughs> and the new one, it stars John Lithgow, which is good. I love John Lithgow, but he he doesn't have that New England accent, so that makes me sad. <laughs> from from Maine, right? It's always people from Maine, right? It's always Maine. And John Lithgow is kind of an interesting actor choice too he can do dark drama i've seen him do it a a bunch of times but it's kind of that weird he can do it 
but you almost almost remember him for his comedy, so it's kind of weird to kind of figure out where he fits. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Like, uh, I've watched every episode of Third Rock from the Sun a couple of times. I love him in that. And then his his season of Dexter, he was the most terrifying person I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, that's right. Just, I forgot about his time on Dexter. Yeah, he was dark on that. He was the Trinity killer, and like he was just so calm and normal about everything as he was murdering people. Yes, you'd think he'd be able to pull it off on a horror movie a little bit better, but again, it, it's it all comes back down to how they interpret the, the story. Yeah, and no, I'm not saying he did a bad job by any means. Sean Lithgow is a great actor. He, he always is in everything I see him. I just wish he, he would have had a New England accent. <laughs> I wanted that, to hear him talk about clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, what is it? Um, chowder, the chowder. Chowder. <laughs> Say get, chowder. Get the accent going, and you're good to go. So you you actually got someone because you mentioned speaking of chowder because that came from the Simpsons episode. You said you actually spoke to someone who worked on the Simpsons. Yeah, that's got to be a weird experience to do animated shows because those had those were pumped out. I mean, it's almost like working on like, um, the South Park where it's like you got to pump that stuff out like weekly almost right i mean it's a fast-paced schedule Mm -hmm. and they didn't really do it like ahead of time at all for i know for south park it wasn't ahead of like they were they were on time they were not ahead by any means and the simpsons yeah like they were handing them the tape five minutes before they were supposed to air it yeah and no censorship you know no one knows what actually came out of that thing you know it was just there and good luck Mm -hmm. um the simpsons i think was a little more prepared for that uh than 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 south park but I mean, at this point, South Park uh, Simpsons is going on for what twenty something seasons, thirty seasons almost. Thirty two. Wow, is it really? Oh God! See, I'm I'm being feeling older by the minute here. If they were going to end that show, do you think they'd have a good way to end it at this no. point? Well, their original plan was to end it after the movie, but they didn't do that like they should have. Has it fallen off? Kind of gotten a lot worse after because I haven't been watching it in ages. I don't know if you've been watching the newer the newer seasons at all, but I haven't watched it since I, don't, I think since the movie. I still watch it, but it hasn't been good since season twelve. Wow, I mean, it, it's been bad longer than it's been good. But there was, I mean, The Simpsons was kind of like uh, uh, Saturday Night Live. It had its golden age. It had its time where it had the right people writing it, producing it, and all of that. And now that's passed. Now, um, I don't know how you guys feel about Family Guy. I'm not a big fan, but everything on TV is essentially going to be Family Guy, where it's just wacky, random crap that doesn't mix together, vaguely tied together. Yes, yes. the for- That is the format that it's going to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... I used to I used to consider Family Guy to be a better version of American Dad because American Dad was really awful in my mind. And I I was a dedicated fan for Family Guy for a long time, but I just kind of it kind of got very formulaic and it got so in a rut that it just got bad. Yeah, um, they had they had like the first run that was just two or three seasons. I don't remember exactly what. And that was great. But then when it came back on the air, it was, it was all right. And then I just think it got away from that. I think – I don't know how much control Seth MacFarlane has over it anymore. I think a lot of it could just be that it's gone from him being the lead writer to this group of other people being writing it just to pump it out. 
Well, I think, I think that's, that feels a lot like what they've done with The Simpsons as well. Is, is again just to kind of pump out content, and it gets away from and it. You know, you kind of see it when you talked, as you, you know, because you talk to a lot of authors and, and people who have like a real story to tell. Is you got to know when to kind of walk away, drop the pen, the mic, the whatever it is, and say the story's done. Yeah, we're good. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Because to back to talking about me for a minute, I wrote a book. And when I wrote a book, I, I showed it to some some friends who were writers, and everyone said, "I it's good, but it needs to be longer." And I I said no, because I said the story was done. I didn't want to add anything else to it because that's just going to make it worse. I would rather. It's like if you remember years and years ago, all all television seasons would be 24, 25 episodes long, and half of that would be filler. Now you have, you know, other options. You have other networks like FX and all that that'll show, you know, FX, Netflix, all that that'll show eight episode seasons. I would rather watch eight good episodes with no filler than eight good episodes and eight filler episodes. Yeah, and I think they came out because they wanted a, a weekly show or, or whatever it was, and they had to push it with the, the FXs and the HBOs and, the you know, those guys can do what they want. And they're going to say, okay, we're going to do eight hour-long episodes. There's a solid story. It's complex. There's a lot of character development. And that's it. And then it's done. Right. And I think that's that's why shows like American Gods and Stranger Things and before the last season Game of Thrones were so critically acclaimed because they were, they were good and they also knew when to stop. Yeah, unlike Game of Thrones, unfortunately. Which I'm not Game of Thrones, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, we all know the last season was not great, and truth be told, it probably season before that wasn't all that great. But just we'll we'll think back to the good times. Think back to the beginnings. They were good. At least the season before the last one, there were good scenes, and there were mm-hmm. some good mini stories. But overall, it was not as, not as good as it had been. But at least there was like some things you could kind of grab onto the last season i i think and a lot of people i've talked to we've both talked to have said that it feels like what the characters were doing in the last season weren't what the characters would want to do with themselves like it wasn't them doing the actions anymore it was yeah. just a build to a finale that they wanted rather than the story of what those characters should have done it doesn't need to neatly wrap up it doesn't need to be clean it can be messy it's okay it should have been messy i mean it was game of thrones Honestly, it probably peaked after they killed Ramsey Bolton. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, he's dead. Because <laughs> uh, Cersei, uh, she was, she wasn't main villain quality. She just never was. She no. had too many good reasons to do what she did. It's weird to say, but yeah, she had reasons for being as messed up as she was, and she was at the least bit relatable to some people. Ramsey Bolton, no, no, there was Anyone nothing really- related to Ramsey Bolton has problems. Yeah, that was kind of the biggest thing for 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 why. And then everybody was upset with how people died, and like, well, it needed to be worse, it needed to be better, it needed to be different. It's like they're dead. Does it matter? Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing. Is like you know, you want the the villain that you perceive to be the villain to die the way they're supposed to die. You think they should die, and it's like, yeah, they kind of did. As much as you ever can. I mean, you know, it's a freaking movie, a, a TV show about people getting killed 
randomly almost. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's life. That's how most things are. People just die. They yeah. don't get what they deserve. That's just, they die in a pile of rocks. Yeah. And that, and I tell you what though, that rock death, it, as much as people hated it, I felt it was exactly right for what happened. She literally died under the thing that she was trying to protect with the only person she ever actually cared about. That, yeah. that That's perfect. That's, that's it. That's all she gets. What else do well, you want? <laughs> she, she did care about her kids and that's why I say she could never be the perfect villain no yeah and that that was the thing yeah that was what rectified her at the end was like you can hate her all you want but at the end of the day she's still trying to be a good parent sort of kind of yeah <laughs> she had a reason and, and what, what was his name Euron Greyjoy he should never have existed oh god yeah that was an awful character medieval Bam Margera Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. That was just it was. It, and I don't. And here's the thing, because I ha, I did not read the books. I I kept hearing everybody ever was saying about the books and in comparison to the show and blah 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 and this that, and the other. I was like, all right, I'm doing one or the other. I'm not doing both. Not at the same time, anyways. Maybe you know, a couple of years from now, once the show's kind of died down, I'll go back and look at the books. But I don't want to have that. Well, they're doing this in the book, but they're doing this in the show. I, mean, I, I didn't want to do that. And then at some point in some one of the seasons, they completely kiltered off in a completely different direction and wasn't the books anymore. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But I was yeah, like, that's when people lost their shit. Yeah. And the characters like what they did with Greyjoy and some of those is like, because I don't know, because I won't look. I, I just don't. I don't. You know, were they characters in the book? Did they make sense? Did they exist in the book for a reason? You know? And it's like I can't see it, not the way they portrayed it on on the, on the small screen, if you will. Yeah, I read the first two books, but it was I was the same as you. Like I I couldn't I knew I couldn't rectify this in my mind of reading these books and watching the show at the same time. And I'm with you. I'll probably go back and read the books after he finishes the series, but until then, I'm just gonna let it rest. No, a- absolutely, a- absolutely, and that's and that's a big thing with a lot of book series is you can kind of go back and look at them. And kind of, you know, say, okay, I can go back and read that any time. Let's see what this show does with it, and then let's make a decision. Uh, okay, I did that with Altered Carbon, too. Uh, the Netflix special? Yeah. Uh, I tried to look at those books. I tried to read them after I watched the show. Like, I actually listened to it as an audiobook. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get into it. Like, the show was – actually, I felt just the action and the way they handled the situation, I felt was actually a better version of the book than the book was. Which yeah, I, thought was- I could definitely see that. Because no matter how good of a writer you are, you can't convey a fight scene in a book like you can on a t- on, on the television. It's just not going to work. The human mind just can't process it that way. That, and that's a big struggle, and, and especially the visual element, because that, that show and, and what they were trying to describe in the book, it's such a visual experience that to try and put that onto paper is such a – awkward situation yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree with you on that because you don't because that's the thing like if you tried to write a fight scene in a book like you do in tv or movies it would be three chapters long mm-hmm. i mean there's there's too many small details that go into it that are all important in that fight in a really good fight scene you know there's all these little things going on like trying to write that down would be like trying to it would take as long as Goku fighting Frieza. <laughs> oh, God. 
But there's a lot of staring in that, though. That's the thing. It's just a lot of staring at each other. And then they punch, and then they stare, then they make some random comment, then they punch, then they stare. They could cut out half of it and still have a great fight. Yeah, but then you have to give the manga a chance to catch up. Oh, yeah, I know. That's the whole thing, right? It's like they're trying to stay on track with both at the same time, and it's just not happening. It's just not It's not a good thing. Well, they I want wanted- to... <laughs> the, the, the manga should have just pulled a George R.R. R. Martin and just stopped writing for several years. Yeah, that would have been great. Then they can catch up. Just just pause, guys. We're, we'll catch up. Give us a moment here, right? We cu- we've kind of danced around it, but I want to actually give you a chance to promote for yourself because you you said you know we mentioned a few times you've wrote written a book. It came out just a little while ago. And, and give us give us kind of where because it sounds like a great a great cool little and you said short. So it's a, it's a good read, but it's a short read about what your book's about. I like the way that you're promoting it as a good read when you, you've you already admitted that you know nothing about it. I read the synopsis. Oh, that tells you everything. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> read the synopsis to everyone right now. <laughs> go ahead. And then I'll, I'll read the synopsis to us because in your voice it'll sound better. And then I'll go get the book and then I'll be able to go back and say, you know what? Yeah, it was a good read. Well, how about we just do this? Yes. As a, as a special for your – for your listeners here. Okay. I'll just go get the book and then I'll just read the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a couple of hours. Let's get started. <laughs> I don't think it should take more than six or seven. So <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, d- uh, definitely. Now for you for to buy the book, you can get it. I saw you can get it, actually get it on uh, Amazon right now. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, just look up my name, Josh Hatfield. For some reason, you cannot search for it by the title. Really? Yeah. But I'm assuming that's because I don't have a lot of people searching for it. So, But they can find it by looking through you. Yeah. If they look for you, they'll find it. And what we'll do is when we put this episode out, we'll uh, put a link in the in the uh, information about the episode where you can go get listen to the podcast, uh, JVJ, right? It's a podcast. And um, yeah. <laughs> it's a podcast and uh, and go get Slime Girl um, by Josh and you'll be able to get both links there in the feed for this episode. So you can get all of it there. Uh, Josh, we want to thank you for randomly rambling with us today through like everything we've been doing for 50 minutes. You can believe that um, <laughs> we've kind of gone a little bit everywhere all at once. So we appreciate you spending the time with us on a, on a Saturday afternoon our time uh and, and i want to thank you very much for coming on um ernie if you would give us the the glorious outro as a well literate person should peace out peace out everybody we'll talk to you guys next time and that's another episode of two nerds and a joke follow robert and ernie on instagram twitter facebook and subscribe to their youtube channel